Listen now to the word of uh, our good God. I'm reading from Proverbs 31, uh, beginning at verse 10. The woman who fears the Lord, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her mar merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands to hold a spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes her bed coverings for herself, her clothing in fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but the word, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I want to start uh, just applying the scripture right out of the way, um, and then we'll get into the meat of what uh, God's laid on my heart to share with you this morning. Uh, there's so much good stuff going on in this passage, but when you get right to the end, verse 31, it says, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Uh, I've only been here a few weeks, but I want to tell you, you are blessed with some godly women who know Jesus and fear the Lord. And so I want to praise some of the women who work and serve here that I'm getting to know, and I'm sure as I get to know more, there'll be more opportunities to praise them. But first of all, I want to praise the works of Laura Bullock. And so uh, Laura is amazing. Where are you, Laura? I know you're out there. Oh, she went in the back? Okay, well, I want to praise God. I mean, Laura is an amazing woman, and she is doing great work for all of us because she knows Jesus. And then I want to praise the work of Amanda Holly. So, wow, Amanda, I mean, it's like, goodness gracious, what a gifted woman. Um, and her works come out of this relationship with Jesus. I mean, I, I've just been so impressed with Laura and Amanda. And I'm very impressed and I'm looking forward to getting to know Dana who works with our children and I uh, wanna praise her for her good work. 
and for Lara's work with the nursery, but I'm looking forward to getting to know, but I want to praise you because <laughs> she got a really challenging job, and so does Lara working with our little ones. But let's praise them, you know, for the work that God's done in them that they would want to serve our community. Well, as we come to this text, I want us to pray and to pray over the preaching of the Word, um, and it would encourage us today, and uh, I'm getting used to being at Christ the King, so I'm used to praying the Lord's Prayer before I preach, so I know I missed it again. <laughs> so just be patient with me. It'll take me a while. You know, I don't want the church to change for me. I want to fit into the rhythms of what's going on here. Uh, but as I close in prayer, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Father, we thank you this morning that uh, you've listened to us, and now we get to listen to you, um, that you uh, show us love by listening to us, and we want to respond to, hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the word of the Lord, um, that your great desire is that we would listen to you, and we want to listen to uh, the message here this morning as from you for us and for the good of our communities um, and our families, our friends, our workplaces. Jesus, would you pour out your spirit as promised in Joel? Would you pour out your spirit on us that we would have visions and dreams of what you can do because of your goodness and greatness for people like us? And then let us pray the prayer our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Fear the Lord. What are we talking about here? So uh, some of you know the writer Adam Grant. He teaches at Wharton Business School. He's popping up on all these podcasts that I listen to uh, about his book called Think Again. Uh, and if you know Adam Grant and know his teaching or you listen to him talk, and if you want to listen to a fascinating conversation now, I normally would not have found that my children helped me a lot. Now Luke is 40, Anna's 37, Claire's 34. But Claire is always usually saying to me, Dad, you got to listen to this podcast. Um, and one of her favorites one is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard now. Uh, for some of you who are offended by language and Dax's personality, don't listen to it, <laughs> okay? But the interview with Adam Grant is off the charts, amazing. Here he is, this brilliant mind, professor, teacher, teacher of the year at Wharton, and uh, he's written a number of books, but he talks a lot about what does wisdom look like? That's, think again, what does wisdom look like? So. Uh, he says in the book, he says, knowledge is power, but wisdom is knowing what you don't know. That if you're really wise, you admit what you don't know and what you need to understand. Uh, when I went to college, I was thinking about majoring in art history uh, because I'd heard somebody say, if you're really smart, you'll major in art history because it brings all the disciplines together. And one of my art history professors, I didn't end up majoring in art history, 
Uh, but uh, one of my professors, I just remember he was just really revered at our university as an intellectual. Him getting up in class one day and saying, you know, the older I get, the more I realize what I don't know. <laughs> what I don't know. But from our perspective and what God has revealed, if you want to know what you don't know, if you want wisdom to understand what you can't see, what you can't live out, what you can't do, then you need to learn how wisdom starts. It starts with a fear of me. Um, again, it's so easy to go to places where we have caricatures of what this means. Uh, but let me read to you from a biblical scholar who says this. So this is in an article where the writer, uh, is, she says, so, so how does fear of God, who is perfect love, take away fear? William D. Eisenhower put it this way in his article, Fearing God in Christianity Today. Unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat and that God's function is to offset it. How different this is from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world. When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power, for in truth, the world's threats are temporary. When we expect God to balance the stress of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God poses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my delusions, so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits in the judgment of my sin, but forgives me nonetheless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. Let me just read that last sentence. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. So for the moms here today, for the mothers online, uh, I want to ask you four questions. So here's question number one. When I was reading Proverbs 31, how did that kind of wash over you? Um, did it indict you or did it invite you? Or both? Or you're going like, this is impossible. Who invited this guy to be the interim? I'm going to send an email to the elder saying, hey, could we reopen it for more nominations? Um, because your view of how you view God will answer, color your answer. When we look at a passage like this, it is to inspire us, it is to invite us, but it is also to challenge us and indict us how easily we give up, how lazy we become in light of who we could be. I've had fun meeting with some of the families and people in the church and just saying, one of my favorite get to know you questions is like, uh, is like if you watch the show Ted Lasso, he likes to say, tell me about your first concert. <laughs> Well, one of mine is, what's one of your favorite movies? Well, one of mine's The Lion King. It's in the cartoon, or not the digitized, but in that, remember, uh, Simba has lost his way. He's a long way from where he needs to be. His father appears to him a dream, Mufasa, and he says, he says to Simba, you are more than you have become. You are more than you have become. Sisters, you're already equipped and empowered and indwelled by the living God to be everything that you could ever hope for or dream to be because Jesus is in you. Now, when you see God that way and see him the way he sees you, then all of a sudden the possibilities of 
what can happen, uh, really begin to set you free. So rather than feeling defeated with your fears and failures, your mistakes, and all the things that are not going the way you should, you are again being shifted and turned to anticipate how can God redeem what's going on in my life? How can God work in me what is pleasing to you? One of the reasons I want to preach through Joel, we'll be back to Joel next week. We'll do a little bit more in Joel 1 because I didn't even talk about the locusts on the first Sunday. So a lot of you are going, man, it was all about the locusts. And you're talking about this, you're talking about that. But we get, get into Joel 2. There's a promise there which God has used powerfully in my own story, but in the story of a lot of women and men that I know where God says, I'll give back to you the years the locusts to beat them away. Wow. So if you're sitting here with a lot of sadness and brokenness over your failures as a mom, God can give you back the years the locusts have eaten away. The good news about the gospel is we get to start over every day. We get to start over, and God can bring beauty out of our brokenness, out of our ashes. Again, the other thing to help moms here to say, I'm excited about how God can bring me into a fuller understanding and application of his work in my life, is to realize that written on your heart is the Hebrew word kadosh. So guys, if you want to develop a new moniker for your wife, just to say, instead of saying, hey, sweetie, or hey, honey, just say, hey, kadosh. Okay, so Greg, do that with Dana and see what she does. All right, so uh, just say, Kadosh, how are you today? Now, some of you already know that Kadosh means uh, holy in Hebrew. So I'm going to take you with me to uh, Israel, uh, the summer of 1973. I am in Beersheba in the Bible, and Israel is Beersheba on an archaeological dig. Uh, one of my professors at the University of North Carolina loved Haaretz, the land, and he would take students every summer to be on archaeological digs in Israel. So here I am in Beersheba in July, and it is hot as it's going to be. We're in the desert. I mean, there's no humidity, but it's still hot. So we're up at four in the morning. We're going up, and we're starting to work in these squares, like eight by ten squares, well, we're down three or four or five, six feet down into these squares, and we're digging, and we're bringing dirt up, and we're bringing it to places where later in the afternoon we can go through it. And we're looking for pieces of pottery, because this is how you know in archaeology, particularly in Israel, the gold is you could pick up pieces of pottery. I remember working with these Israeli archaeologists, and I'd pick up a piece, and I'd say, Jacob, what is that? And he'd say, well, that's... 900 and something, something B.C., Sumerian. And I go, how do you know that? It's just like, it's just this little piece of pottery. And he says, well, do you know the difference between a 57 Corvette and a 58 Corvette? I go, yeah. And he says, well, I've been studying this for a long time, so I can recognize the pottery. But as in the afternoons, we would stay in our tents all during the day. We'd work till about noon, so hot. We'd come out, and then we'd start sifting like you're sifting sifting through for uh, gold, uh, the dirt on these trays. And we were looking for pottery, and we were looking for pottery that had the Hebrew inscribed Kadosh, um, uh, holy. So holy means to be set apart. So for all you moms, 
Here's your calling. You're set apart to what? What's your calling as a mother? You're set apart. You're kadosh. You're holy. God has made you holy through the finished work of his son. You get to live out that holiness, but you have the gift now. God has written on your heart. You belong to him, but you've been set apart to, okay, so here we go, uh, to receive love and to give love. The greatest gift our God gives us is the supernatural character of his love for his people. So you've been set apart to receive love and to give love. And again, that should awaken your appetite to say, wow, God, you, you love me. You have made me holy for yourself. And again, if we're healthy and we're in a place where we can hear that, it should generate some fear. Now, again, most of you know the acronym FOMO, and I remember when I started hearing it from children in our church where I came from, and they would say, FOMO, FOMO, what's that? <laughs> I don't know what it was. Fear of missing out, okay? The fear of missing out on, I could miss this, or I have missed this, or what am I missing? You know, it's kind of like when you lose something. Um, a good friend of mine, a professor from seminary, used to say, I think I remember forgetting this before. He lost his understanding uh, of the beauty of the gospel. So when you hear the gospel preach, you go, I think I remember forgetting this before. Keith Green, who's a singer of my era, has this great line where he says, Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. For when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Replace the lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. To be able to fear God means that you're able to see all that the scripture invites to you to. That like in Psalm 92, a psalm for the uh, Sabbath, a great Puritan poet George Herbert says, whenever you're in front of a passage of scripture, there are a thousand surprises. Whoa, are you kidding me? I mean, scriptures, there's a thousand things to see in Psalm 92. Oh yeah, <laughs> and more. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find that you're a good, good father. And so sisters, be encouraged today that God is pursuing you. There is so much more for you to know and experience than you could ever imagine or hope for because he has set you apart. You're his kadosh. You're holy to the Lord because of the gift of your Savior. Again, one of the struggles for all of us, but particularly for moms, is they can get overwhelmed and feeling defeated and they start to live like an orphan mom versus an adopted mother. They get exhausted, worn out, and they really, they really want to know, uh, I need a break, I need escape, I need help. One of the reasons that I wanted us to sing strong and kind for the offertory is, is that if you listen to the words, you can go look it up on YouTube. It's a beautiful video. It's from a, a church in Australia, the City of Light, uh, where the song for children and for us is, you know, when I thirst, uh, Jesus says, come to me. When I'm afraid, Jesus says, come to me. I forgot the third one, but here's the last one. It says, but when I am lost, and I, if I ask for a show of hands here for all the moms, do you ever feel lost as a mom? They both two hands would go up. <laughs> yeah, I feel lost. 
Here's the promise, Jesus will come to you. One of the verses I meditate on Sundays on the Sabbath, um, I go to every in my kind of liturgy of days, is John 14, 18, where Jesus is talking to his disciples because he, he's telling them, I'm, I'm leaving. Uh, but he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, do you know what it's like to be around an orphan mom who lives like an orphan that doesn't have anybody who cares, who feels desperately needy or very driven? One of the marks of our flesh is that we're driven. One of the marks of the spirit working in us is we feel called, driven versus called. Um, My mother was a very broken woman in many ways. And I just saw her, when I saw her, I saw somebody who was really lost. Um, She was so lost for a lot of different reasons. Uh, As she turned later in life, I saw God meet her and help her. And I saw God begin to shift her from somebody who really felt lost to feeling seen and feeling found. When we're living like adopted children, when moms are living like adopted uh, daughters of the Most High, here's their mindset, okay? So here you go, moms, little check in here. Um, When you wake up in the morning, you think about all the things you have to do this day, and your to-do list is just shouting at you, you're not gonna be able to do it enough. (laughs) You're not good enough. You're not able to do it. When your to-do list is like, oh, this is overwhelming me. Um, then your sort of mindset, if you're not careful, is I, I have to do this. I've got to get up. I've got to do this. Now, let's shift to where God wants to take you. God wants to wake you up with this, like, you get to do this. <laughs> you get to be a mom. Now, you can't do that out of your own strength. Strength, and in Proverbs 31, the woman has made herself strong in the strength of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, because when you begin to have this holy fear in your relationship with your heavenly Father, you will find strength and honor and delight so that when you look at the challenges of your family, um, you don't sit there and go, man, I, I, gosh, I'm just so weary of having to do the same thing over and over, the laundry, the meals, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, I, I don't want to live like this. That's what happens to us when we get crushed by the world of flesh and in our enemy. But when we're living in the love of the Father and the fear of the Father's delight in us and us missing that, here's what happens. I get to do this. And just so instead of living in despair and dread, so... Um, if any of you follow Brene Brown, she's great at being vulnerable and owning this. Uh, but if you've listened to any of her podcasts and her training of leaders, she talks about for herself, but a lot of women she knows, is that they're afraid to believe when things are going good that they'll stay good. She says, here's her little phrase that slips in, I can't, the penny's got to drop. It can't be this good. And so a lot of times what locks us up, locks moms up, is they're afraid of what's going to happen that they know could happen or might happen. And they, when you start biting into that, when you start leaning on that, it just robs you of the joy that you could uh, have. The next question for the moms this morning is, are you living in the wonder and just the trembling of 
delights God of God's delight in you. Um, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there in the way we've been singing? Have you held the nails in your hands? It creates within you not a dread of being rejected, but like, I'm on holy ground here. This is amazing. I'm feeling the same kind of fear I have that if we're good friends, you have a healthy fear towards me because you know what gives me joy and you know what discourages me. And you don't want to hurt me. You don't want to, you have that healthy fear that says, I don't want to miss out on this. And this is where God wants to press it into our hearts that what this uh, Scottish pastor wrote in a hymn where he says, chosen not for good in me, wakened up from wrath to flee, hidden in the Savior's side, by the Spirit sanctified, teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my love how much I owe. This is a picture of what it means to fear the Lord. Teach me, Lord, on earth to show by my love how much I owe. Oh, Jesus, I'm such a wandering sheep. I'm so prone to wander. I'm not a debtor to your grace. I'm a debtor to other people's expectations, needing to please other people. And again, just to encourage the moms here today, Jesus is so ready to come to you when you say, oh Lord, take my heart and seal it. Make it a place where you can take me into places of worship and adoration that give me an excitement about really having this healthy fear of missing out, healthy fear of discouraging and bringing uh, grief to your heart that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can quench the Holy Spirit versus I can't wait to see how you're going to work in me so the Spirit catches fire. That the Spirit, rather than, be, rather than being small, it gets really big. You begin to say, oh, this is what it means to pray in the Spirit. This is what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is what it means for the Holy Spirit to fill me up and thrill me in ways that I never knew possible. Because he who's forgiven much loves much. But the shift out of what we talked about last week of the difference between practicing resignation, this is as good as it gets. Man, I can't wait till these kids grow up and go to college. <laughs> it's just like, oh, another day, you know, another day. Uh, but when you're practicing resurrection, here's the way you live. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in our family today. I can't wait to see what he's going to do into Luke and Anna and Claire's life today. Oh, my goodness. The Father, oh, expectation starts to rise up in you. Here's one of the last things that I want to ask, uh, or the last thing I'll ask for the moms, is that I know you know the gospel. I know that you know that Jesus died for your sins, um, that he was raised from the dead. He's going to come back for you. Uh, but I want to ask you this morning, um, do you hear the music in that? Is it evoking worship? Um, when the fear of the Lord is real to us, it moves us to worship. And, and again, it seems so strange and foreign to our ears and our hearts because it is. But Jesus wants to teach us that he feared the Lord. Think about Jesus' relationship with his mom, what that was like. He had a mother. They didn't have Mother's Days, but he learned to honor his mother. But he lived in the fear of the Lord in a way that he and Mary were just close. Now, we don't know this really happened, but one of my favorite scenes in in the passion is where Jesus is going to die and he's on the cross 
and Mary kind of runs through an alley and kneels down beside him when he stumbles and falls. And the way the actor portrays Jesus looking at her and saying, Mother, I'm making all things new, even in the midst of his suffering. It evokes worship. My good friend who talks a lot about uh, depression says, when people are depressed, and if I said, can I get a witness here, how many mothers are struggling with depression? Probably two hands <laughs> would go up, because it's overwhelming, okay? And he says, if you're feeling depressed, you have to worship your way out. The way to come out of depression is through worship. Now, there are a couple songs that I'd love for you to listen to today, so we'll get very specific. If you haven't discovered the music of Audre Assad, um, listen to her beautiful collection of songs in Fortunate Fall, but in there, there is a song she wrote around Psalm 23, I Shall Not Want. Uh, I want to encourage you to listen to that and just sort of just loop it, play it over and over. But also to listen to Andrew Peterson, Is He Worthy? One of the great things about our callings, individually, this applies to all of us, is Jesus wants to sing over us and sing to us. Um, <clears throat> if you're like me and you don't sleep well or restless or whatever, but pray for your dreams. But pray that you can hear the music of the gospel in your story. And here's where listening to great worship music can help you so much because Jesus has uh, not called us to be a slave to fear, but allow our fears to show us what real fear we need to have to be committed to a holy fear, which burns bright and clear. Jesus is at the back door. He longs to love and cherish you and me. He sees you and he loves you. And I love this in Revelation 3. Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you open the door, I have your favorite dish with me. I want to come in and have a meal with you. So moms, Jesus has your favorite dish. What you really long for, what you really need, he alone has it, but he wants to feed you and nourish you and cherish you so that you come out of this day and live the next day and the day after that with unbelievable expectation of, I get to do this. <laughs> I get to be a mom. I get to do this. Um, and then to live in the humble confidence of who Christ is for you and what he has done. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for, uh, just again, the really great news that you made a way for us to live, that when we know it, it sets us free. And I just pray over the moms today that they can know that you see them, that you love them, that you delight in them, that you're for them and you want the very best for them, Lord Jesus. And so again, help my sisters to know today this love that will not let us go, this love that seeks us in our pain of our disappointment and fears, so that Jesus, we can grow in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. Bless our mothers here today with a thrill of what it means to stand on the solid ground of the fear of the Lord and the perfect love of God coming together for them. And today would be a day of real joyful expectation, we pray. Amen.